So we're at the end of the Old Testament in the story. And those of you who have, um, those of you who have been with us throughout this um, have probably seen some overwhelming arcs. But um, to, to sum it up, God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in them and put man and woman there to rule the land. And was in relationship with the man and the woman in the land until the man and the woman chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God removed them from uh, the tree of life, from access to the tree of life in the garden. Fast forward a while, and we find a guy named Abraham in Babylon, or what will eventually become Babylon, land of Chaldeans, Ur. And he is told, I will, God tells him in Genesis chapter 12, I will make a great nation out of you. You will be blessed. All of your children will be blessed. And through you, I will bless the whole of creation. Abraham goes to the land that promised to Israel and says, and, and, and has, has two children, one that um, he thinks counts. And then that kid had two kids. And then that child had more. And they eventually had to run to Israel or to Egypt because of a famine. And they stayed there and they were enslaved for 450 years. The Bible moves quick through time, doesn't it? It'll just casually drop. 450 years later, our country hasn't been a country that long. I got, I got panicked just then and just did the math. And I was right. We haven't, so they were in Egypt for 450 years. They, had, they were slaves and God brought them up out of Egypt into the land of promise. Made a covenant with them and said, you will be my people and I will be your God. And this is what that's going to look like. And he gives them the law, which is, we find in Leviticus. We find some in Exodus. We find uh, it again in Deuteronomy. And typically, when you hear people talk about, at least hear people in the Old Testament talk about the law, they're talking about what we read in Deuteronomy. Um, and and um, you hear, when, when Jesus talks about the law, or when those people talk about the law, they, God gave them law so that they would seal the covenant that God was making with his people. You will be my people. I will be your God. And they didn't respect that covenant. They didn't live like God wanted them to live. And eventually God gave them over to their enemies. They had good kings and they had bad kings. They had David. They had Solomon. They had Jeroboam. Other names I don't want to try to pronounce because as you'll see later, um, I've got a lot to pronounce today. And I practice those. And if I don't know your name, it's because I practice those names later. Um, I don't know what, where uh, John is, but I'm John. Yeah, you're behind the computer. Could you flip through for me? I don't. I don't have this up here. This is not connected. Um, we'll get there in a second. Sorry. But uh, 
I just thought of it, so I said it. I should have said it at a relevant time. Um, but there are... So he, he, he's, he's been giving... They've had good kings and bad kings that have been leading them to good and bad places. But mostly bad kings. And then the Assyrians come in and take Israel, which is the northern kingdom. And they try to take Judah, which is the southern kingdom, where Jerusalem is, where the temple is. And they can't. But then the Babylonians try, and they can, and they're taken into captivity. Everybody's taken away and, as, as slaves, and um, neighboring countries rejoice. Like Edom gets really excited when Judah's taken away. And they're in slavery again. And this time, when they come back, it's not as... Triumphant. It's not as people who have broken out of their captivity. It's people who have just sort of been released and you go back to your hometown. And when they went back to their hometown from Babylon, which is now taken over by the Persians and the Medes, they, they come back to a place that's not a town. They come back to a temple that's not a temple. And so what we find in Ezra and in Nehemiah, specifically in Nehemiah, are the people of God rebuilding the place where they were the people of God. We find Ezra and Nehemiah working on the temple, working on Jerusalem. Building a wall is Nehemiah. Nothing spectacular. He's not taking his staff and bringing water from a rock. He's not making the Jordans stop. He's not conquering giants. Actually, if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll find a lot of edicts where they, they're basically they're writing memos from one place to another. And this is what the Lord had said. This is what King uh, uh, Ashurbanipal said to this guy or that guy. And th- th- here's an edict here and there. And you, here's the memo. Basically, yes, I told them they could do this. Well, they said that you couldn't. And they're back and forth. Some of it's legal. Like legalities of how do you build a wall around a city without a wall? How do you put the temple back together without getting in trouble with the people in, um, with the king up in the north? What does that look like? So they're just building a wall. There were no Goliaths to fall. Just building a wall. Then once they have finished this project, they find the old covenant. They find the law of the Lord. And that's that's what leads us to Ezra chapter 8. And we'll start in verse 1. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Watergate was just the name of the gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly. The people gathered together, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. That's 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 six hours. He read it. 
read aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of them, women and uh, men, women and others who could understand. And all the people, I like the men, women, other, you don't even get that on forums nowadays. (laughs) Men, women and others who understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for his for the occasion. Beside him on the right stood Mattathiah, Shemai, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masaiah. And on his left were Pedadiah, Mishael, Milkajan, Hashbanana, Zechariah, and what? Zechariah and Meshulam. Basically, there's 14 dudes on the platform. That's what the scripture should have said. But anyway, that's all of them. Seven were on his right, six on his left. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him before because he was standing above them as he opened it. The people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. This was not a church of Christ. Then they bowed down. And worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now listen to this. He reads from Deuteronomy. And inspired a whole people. He reads from Leviticus. And inspired the whole people. Some of those verses were, when you get a rash on your bald head, doth visit the priest. This, I mean, it is... There is like legalities and like little nuances and just all these little things that you're supposed to be doing. And inspired the whole people. Moved them in a way that we are rarely moved by scripture. What happens next is interesting. The Levites, those guys... Instructed the people. Actually, I like, uh, I was, I'm not going to read it, but the, my favorite name in there is Josabad, which is the only one that could be like a southern name. Earl and Josabad were over, I like, the rest are very Hebrew. Josabad just feels. Anyway, those guys, all these priests gathered and instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. So cleared it up for them. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. The, then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Now listen to what he has to tell them. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Now notice, not out of boredom. This is a raise your hand, say amen, amen kind of meeting. This is the kind of meeting where they lay on the floor and praise God. This is the kind of meeting where they weep when they hear the word of the Lord. They are grieving. And he has to tell them, do not mourn when you hear this. Why? I think, I think he has to tell them this for the same reason we might have to be reminded on a regular basis. Not to feel the shame that the gospel can bring. Uh, Ron talked about 
looking inward. And sometimes we can look inward and we can look at Jesus and look at us and say, oh, I'm a horrible person. Now, that's actually probably one step further than you might have used to be. You used to might have looked at Jesus and be like, oh, I'm kind of like that guy. And you were way wrong, but you just didn't know it yet. There's also that moment where you think, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm not what Jesus would have me to be. And you can look at Scripture and you can always find something. Now, this may be a way we do it. You can always find something that someone else is doing wrong in Scripture. You know, you know when you can do that, they can do that with you. And you probably aren't paying close enough attention to your mirror. You should probably put down your magnifying glass. Read Scripture the way it's supposed to be read. Where it reflects on me. And he, he's reading this law to them and they're feeling the shame and the weight of God. And they are grieving it. And Ezra and Nehemiah and the priests understand it properly and they say, Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not a day to be sad. This is a day to celebrate. How can I celebrate God? When you tell me not to worry and I worry constantly. When you tell me not to be afraid and I'm afraid all the time. When you tell me not to be angry or not to act out in my anger. And every time I get angry, I just can't help it. I just don't even have a speed bump from braid to mouth. I just, wow, right out. Every time you tell, you tell me to forgive my neighbors and I don't forgive them ever. You tell me to love my neighbors and I have a hard time tolerating them. You, show, you tell me to show kindness and grace and mercy and I feel like I should be reading my Bible and praying and fasting and all the things that they do in the first century and I'm just not doing those things and over and over again I can take the list and say I, I failed, I failed, I failed and that's why they're weeping. That's why they're on their, their, their faces crying and having to be consoled by the people because they are not cutting it just like you are not cutting it. Priests and Ezra and Nehemiah say, no, you don't get it. The day of the Lord is not a day of shame. The day of the Lord is not a day of guilt. The day of the Lord is when joy is our strength. And I can say, but how can I be joyful? When I'm not called me to be. The law was given to the people starting in Exodus chapter 20. And it was given to the people where? Mount Sinai is the answer. You don't have to answer. You just nudge your... Your, your, your spouse or whoever's sitting by you say, I knew that. Yeah. Mount Sinai. On the safe side 
of the Red Sea. The first part of the Ten Commandments is not, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It is not even, you shall have no other gods before me. The first part of the commandment is, Ten Commandments is, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When we see the covenant, we see what God was wanting all along. God did not create people to follow a bunch of rules in the Garden of Eden. He gave them one. Don't eat that. They were like, okay, we'll be right back. And ate of the tree. The first sin... In scripture is when when man and woman decided to talk about God instead of to God. God created those people to be in relationship with him instead of creating them to be educated about him. And they opted for the more complex latter version instead of the more serious first version. And with Abraham and with Moses and with David and with here with Ezra and Nehemiah, God is bringing the people back to a remembrance that he is their God. And they are his people. The covenant is go- the laws are going to be broken. We are not going to get it right. But God gets us. And that's why when we hear when we hear about Jesus, we should not then go, oh my goodness, I am not even close. That might be healthy for a bit, but stop your mourning, stop your grieving. Today is a day to celebrate. Do you know what the covenant was? Like if you read the Old Testament? The Old Testament was a way for people who hadn't been their own people for a long time to interact with each other in a relationship with God. And now we have Jesus and Jesus is our way to interact with each other in a relationship with God. And so we look to Jesus and we can say, I have, I do not cut it. We can look to God and say, God, I, I haven't figured it out. And God says, you are my people. And I am your God. But God, I don't do everything right. I, I read the Bible sometimes and, and I, I think I've got a pretty good handle on some things. And I read the Bible and I say, I don't even know what this is talking about. God, I, I'm not as smart as I claim I am. I'm not as, as, as joyful as I project when I come to church. What? I'm not what I'm supposed to be. But I am your people. And you are my God. God says, I am your God. And you are my people. This is about 
a relationship with God that God has been seeking with us from the from Genesis 1. And now the people hear the law of the Lord and they're shamed. And Ezra and Nehemiah say, don't be, no, no, what this means, but what we're reading means that we are again in covenant. God is with us again. We are his people and he is our God. So this week you will not get it right. But the story of the Bible says that you are his people. He is your God. This week you may be sad because things are hard. This this week you may be scared because things are new. This This week you may be joyful because your family is in. This week you may be joyful because your family's gone. Whatever you feel, however you are experiencing life this week, you are doing so as the people of God. The law to the Israelites was grace. It was a gift to them. It was covenant. It was God saying, I will... I will... um, God saying, I, I will be I will commit a promise to you. Do you remember uh, there was a um, there was a video going around a while back of a, uh, a one, I'll say a while back. I think I saw it on America's Funniest Home Videos, which was YouTube before the internet. And it was a it was a woman and a man in a marriage, and most most married people, when they're getting married, don't think about the promises they're gonna make forever. They just think about like napkins and what dresses. Um, the bridesmaids are going to wear like ah that's too pretty ugly that up a little bit Um, do they have this in camo but they don't think about the vows and so they get up there and the preacher has the vows um, and he says uh, for for healthy and for sick and health and sickness and they said and rich and poor and the woman goes and rich what Like no one, no one hears the first part of the vows in a marriage and goes, "Oh, I can't. I won't be able to do this perfectly my whole life." No, what the vows mean is that two two parties are committed to each other, and they may not do it perfectly all the time, but they're still committed. Amen. <laughs> Uh, y'all always amen the wrong things. <laughs> but we, we are in relationship with God. We, that's, that's what he gave, that's what he gave the, the people of God in the Old Testament through the law. That's what he gives us through Jesus. And it's all the same principle. God is in covenant with us. He's made promises to us. He's made vows to us. And we are his people. And he is our God. That 
that sort of thing sums up the story of the Old Testament. God is wanting us back. And we won't start the New Testament until the end of summer. But the Old Testament is God wants his people back. And this, the problem that the Jews face later is they interpreted that to mean that God wants Israel back. But remember the promise God made Abraham in Genesis 12. Through you, all nations will be blessed. So as we sit here, sometimes feeling shame, grieving our brokenness. I want you to know that today is not a day for grief. It's not a day for shame. Because today is the day the Lord has declared that we are His people. He is our God. You want to make that promise back to God. You want to follow His King Jesus. You want to be united with Him. Or maybe you just feel like you need the prayers of the church. Whatever is your situation this morning, whatever you need, please come forward while we stand and while we stand. I heard no, no, no.